0: I just wanted to welcome you to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. This is our podcast and I'm Pastor George. I would love it for you to come out and visit us sometime. It's a great little church here at Tuolumne, California. We are in the middle of a series called King David. This is the life and times of David. We're at a point where he is really doing some great things. He is now king over all of Israel. And he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. He wants to bring it into the presence of the people and and build a tabernacle around it and a place where uh, people can come and worship and experience the presence of God like David has. So his motives were good. His thoughts were good. But he made some mistakes in moving the Ark. And we're going to look at that today and see if we can relate it to the mistakes we make today. Um, Our motives may be good. Our intentions may be well-being. But did we inquire of the Lord before we made a move? That's the question. I hope you enjoy. It's a great sermon series, and I I hope that you uh, can listen to it all the way through. God bless, and I'll see you guys soon. We're gonna continue on with our series on David. I'm gonna come down on the floor today. I don't know why. I just feel led to. Because I can. Amen brother. Um, can we go ahead and hit the house lights too? We're in a very interesting place in the life of King David and, and it's one that I believe that we need to really pay a lot of attention to and I'm going to try to get through the whole thing today and yes at the end of the service we are having a business meeting one of my most unpleasant tasks but it's a good thing so I want to make sure I get through this so that we can all feel good about participating in the church business meeting but I also have something special to share with you at the very end of this message. So I want you to pay close attention. And if, if, if I lose you in the details, then let the details go. Because there's so much detail here that I feel like you have to know to understand. Because you know, if, if you're a new believer and we're preaching a message on, you know, OK, King David is going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, you go, well, where's it been? So you have to kind of know the history of, of what has transpired. And I'm going to try. I, I, I just don't have the time to read all the scripture, but I'll try to do the best I can out of memory to explain what was really happening here. We're going to be in a combination between Second uh, Samuel and First Chronicles. In First Chronicles, I believe, chapter 13, it, it talks about the very same story. It's a a recap, a rewrite, uh, a little bit different. And so we we look at both of them to put it together to get all the details that we can. The first part of this message is the failed first attempt. So let's look at 2 Samuel 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, David again brought together all the young men of Israel, 30,000 of them. Can you even comprehend that? I mean, that's a stadium full of men. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. So let's talk about the ark for just a little bit. In case you don't know, the ark is a wooden box. In fact, the word ark means box or chest. It was completely covered with gold and with an ornate gold lid or a top, which is called the mercy seat. The ark was about three feet, nine inches long, two feet, three inches wide, and about two feet, three inches high. In it were the tablets of the law. Do you guys remember the law that God wrote with his finger on the stone for Moses? In it are the tablets of the law that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, a jar of manna. This is what God rained down food for the the Israelites to eat, a jar of manna. And Aaron's rod that miraculously budded as a confirmation of his leadership. David gathered many of his best soldiers because bringing the ark to Jerusalem was so important. It was an important step towards the central, a central place of worship for all of Israel. David's first and, and most was a worshiper of God. And this was a statement of his type of leadership that he was going to be. But we have to remember... The Ark of the Covenant, which God commanded Moses to make, happened 400 years before David's time. So this thing's been around for a long time. So let's look at the story. We're going to start in 1 Chronicles 13. And I want you to try and see if you can get into David's thinking in this adventure. Because his motives were right. His intentions were pure but I want you to really pay close attention to what's happening. David conferred, this is 1 Chronicles 13.1, it's behind me if you're not following your Bibles, conferred with each of his officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. He then said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, Let us send word far and wide to the rest of the people throughout the territories of Israel and also to the priests and the Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to come and join us. Let us bring the ark of God back to us for for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. And you have to understand during Saul's administration, It really wasn't much of an issue. It seemed that Saul was more interested in killing David than he was in bringing the ark home. David is now in full charge of Israel's government. He is a lover of God and understands that the ark represents God's presence, and he wants his people to know and experience and understand what it means to be in God's presence. Can I get an amen? that's exactly my heart that's what I want for you that's what I want for all the new people that are going to come is to see and experience not my great preaching I'm not a great preacher I stumble on words and my English is horrible but to feel and sense the presence of God to walk away and say God is in this place that's our goal but there's one thing missing in David's big plan to bring the ark home. And I believe it's the same thing that the church keeps missing today. So let's continue on with First Chronicles 13, verse 4. The whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to all the people. You guys remember Proverbs 16:25? There is a way that seems right to man. But that way leads to death. Boy, we have to pay attention. Often our plans seem so right. Our motives are godly. We want people to see and experience God's presence. But often there's still something missing. Verse 5. So David assembled all of Israel from this... Sehor, Sehor River in Egypt to Lebo in Hamath to bring the ark of God to kareth Jerem, which is the same place as Bela. David and all of Israel went to Bela of Judah, which is kareth Jerem, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim. And the ark is called by the name. Wow, what a plan. What an event. 30,000 men. I mean, we could fill a stadium and call it promise keepers. You guys remember those things? You guys remember promise keepers? Just fill a stadium up with people. Now let's look at 2 Samuel 6, 5 to kind of see what else was going on. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, with harps, with lyres, with timbrels, with cistrums, with cymbals. Man, they had the music. They had it going on. They had 30,000 people. They had music. They had singers. They had dancing. I mean, this was an event that was going on. What an event! Sometimes we could say, well, we have the music. It's like if we organize all the churches here in Tuolumne County to come together, all out here at Westside Park Amphitheater. Everyone's there. We have the band, the hottest Christian contemporary band that's on radio. We got them there. Man, don't we look good? Wouldn't that be something? I mean, we get everybody together. We get the whole community together. We got third day is going to come and be on stage and they're going to worship God and everybody the whole world is going to see how Tuolumne County can worship God. Have you seen what's missing yet? Pay attention. It'll come up. So let's go back to Chronicles 13, 7 and 8. They moved the ark of God from Abinadad's house on a new cart. Wow. With Uzzah and Ano guiding it, Eo, David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God, with songs, with harps, with lyres, with timbrels, with cymbals, with trumpets. I mean, this was an event. Wow. And it all started at a and Abinadad's sons are leading the ark. Well, let me, let me back up a little bit so you understand. Abinadad, he had a house where this ark was stored in his house for more than 20 years. It was there. It was just a, a safe place to keep it. It wasn't that people came and worshipped there. It wasn't It was just kept there. And Uzzah... And Ao, these two sons, they, they have really interesting name. Uza's name meant strength, and Ao's name meant friendly. Wow, add that to the concert. We have friendly strength. We could call that the name of the event. And did you see this? They put it on a new cart. This is the newest technology of the day. Okay, this is just, they just invented this here not long ago. I believe the Philistines actually are the ones who invented it. They figured out how to build a wheel and put boards together on a cart and attach the wheel to the cart, and we can tow this thing. This is the newest technology of its time. But any of you Bible scholars, do you remember how Moses said to move the ark? I guarantee you we're going to look at it here in a minute. It wasn't by a cart. But it seemed like the right idea. Isn't David's motives right? It seems like the safest and the easiest way, the fastest way to transport the ark, nine miles to get into the city of Jerusalem. I mean, this is the way to do it. Hey, we're going to see here that that the Philistines did it. God didn't kill them over it. Hmm. So then we're towing this thing along. The event's going on. Can you see this in your mind's eye? 30,000 men marching, all the cymbals and the tambourines and the harps and the lyres and the dancers. Everything's going on. They're coming down the street, and they're moving near a place that's called the threshing floor. And when they came to the threshing floor of Kidron, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. David was angry. Verse 11, then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez-Uzzah. Uzzah's death became one of the most discussed executions in the Bible. It seems unfair. If you're looking at it from the outside, from a worldly perspective, it seems unfair. What was Uzzah doing? He was trying to support the Ark of the Covenant. He didn't want to see it hit the ground and one of the cherubims break off. It seemed unfair to kill someone who's taking care of the ark and has been in his family, in his house, for probably over 20 years. He grew up with it. But on the other hand, probably people who are the most familiar with the things of God are the most tempted to trivialize such things. We have to understand the rules don't change just because we become familiar with the Lord. It's possible one of the most acute dangers of contemporary Christianity today is reducing the Almighty Yahweh to a friend, or maybe even more atrocious to be treating Jesus Christ like he's a buddy. And let me say it like this: He is my friend. He is my closest friend. He is closer to me than a brother. But if I don't realize and remember that He is God, He's not just my buddy. He is God. And He's the one I need to go to when I need to talk something over. He's the one I have to go to to make plans. He's the one that I have to look to to say, Is this the way you want me to go? Is this how you want it done? Is this you, God? I thank God that He gave us the Holy Spirit. That resides within me and he is my friend and I communicate with him on a very personal and very intimate way on a daily basis but I have to remember who God is we all have to remember a God is to be feared with a reverential fear that reminds me constantly who I am and who he is at the death of Uzzah, David gets upset with the Lord for killing Uzzah and spoiling this happy homecoming event of the ark. Believe me, it put a huge damper on it. He quit at that point. Verse 12 it says, David was afraid of God that day and asked, How can I ever bring the ark of God to me? How can I do it, God? I mean, put yourself in his place. Uzzah was this handsome, strapping, strong man who loved God and he reached up to put his hand on the ark to stabilize it and God struck him dead. Would you be upset? It's an upsetting event. And he says, how can I ever bring the ark home? He did not take care of the ark. Excuse me, verse 13. He did not take the ark with him to the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed Edom, a Gideonite. He happened to be there. His house was probably right there near the threshing floor where all this happened. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed Edom in his house for three months, and the Lord blessed his household and everything that he had. This is not how you want your event to end. David is upset with God, and he doesn't understand. David's motives seem so right, so pure. It seemed unfair to kill Uzzah over a mistake that David obviously made. And here it is, in not seeking inquiring of the Lord before moving the ark. This is the whole thing. This is the man that before he went out to fight the Philistines, Twice that he defeated him. Just shortly before this, he inquired of God. Do you want me to go? And how do you want me to go? And God would give him directions. All you have to do is go back and listen to the last few messages. He inquired of the Lord. All of a sudden, because something seems so right, everything is so pure and it's for good motives. You know, God, yeah, of course God's going to want us to do that. He never asked God. He never asked him his opinion. Moving the cart seemed like a good idea it was the safest way to move the ark and the people who were supposed to be carrying it hey the philistines moved it the philistines didn't know any better they didn't have the instructions that david had they didn't have the torah so let me back up so you understand a little bit of this i'm going to try to do it out of memory and I don't remember all the names of the kings and the judges and all those. But I could barely remember the ones that I read that are in front of me. But probably 70 years prior, Samuel was just a young man, just, a, just probably five years old, is when the Philistines and the Israelites were fighting then too. And Israel was losing. Thousands of men were being lost on the battlefield. They were were being beat up and they were being killed and they were losing the battle. So they went back to camp and they said, let's take the Ark of the Covenant out there to battle with us. Surely God will smite them. Again, they didn't inquire of God over that. They took the Ark of the Covenant out there as if the Ark was some kind of magic trick as if the ark was going to slay everybody in it, which it could have if God chose to. And they all shouted with such a great shout, and it freaked the Philistines out because they could hear the, the Israel camp out there shouting over this ark. And they're going, oh, they brought the ark of God. We're in trouble. They're going to kill us. And then one of their leaders said, no, you fight. You fight to kill, and you capture that ark. You take it. And they did. And God didn't fight that battle for them why because they didn't inquire of God it's in their history they didn't say God is this what you want us to do they just took it out there as if it was going to be some kind of magic trick let's take the Bible and hit somebody with it and see if it heals them you know come on man let's bring God into it let's let God heal them I mean it, it was just bizarre so they took it and they took it back to their their temple They had this God named, was it Dagog? Is it Dagog? Am I saying it correctly? Dagog. I call him doggone, but Dagog. And it was a man that was this this big thing that was made half fish, half man. And so they brought the temple, the the Ark of God, the one true God. And they knew that this represented Israel's God. They set it down next to Dagog. Hey, look at that. We got two gods in our temple. (laughs) They come back the next morning, and Dagog fall down in front of the ark and they thought well that was weird must have been a tremor or something so they stood him back up and god has such a sense of humor this time he lops off the guy's head dagog's head and takes his hands off and throws him down on the ground they come back in and they went oh there's something wrong we got to get this thing out of here and about that time everybody began to break out with tumors one commentator said hemorrhoids i don't know You know, I don't know, but it was tumors and it was bad. And everybody began to get tumors and get sick, so they said, we got to get this out of here, take it, take it out. And so they put it on a wagon, and they started hauling it back to the Israelites. And it wound up out in a field somewhere, and somebody, the Israelis went, and they opened up the lid to look, to see, to make sure everything was still in there, and 50,000 men, 50,070 men died because they looked at it. They looked into it how could that be about God well God is is God and he wants to make sure that we're not looking to the law for salvation we look to mercy we look to the mercy seat so God had a plan and a purpose and he was making an example of the thing. So it sat out there for a long time, and then it got moved to another Israeli's house, and then somehow it winds up at Benadad's house for the 20 years prior to this. So this is why it was such a big deal that David gets the Ark and brings it back. I mean, Saul didn't care. He wasn't a godly man. He feared God to a degree, but he, he, he didn't care. And this is important stuff so he wants to bring it back. The question is, why did God strike Uzzah dead for touching the Ark of the Covenant? And there's three really good answers. First, God gave Moses and Aaron specific instructions in the tent of the meeting on the movement of the Ark of the Covenant. After Aaron and his sons finished covering the holy furnishings and all the holy articles, And when the camp is ready to be moved, the Kohathites are to come and to carry it, and they must not touch the holy things, or they will die. The Kohathites are to carry those things that are in the tent of the meeting. This is all Old Testament stuff. No matter how innocently it's done, touching the ark was a direct violation of God's law and would result in death. This means... Of preserving the sense of God's holiness and the fear of driving near to him without the appropriate preparation people it's important it's important that we worship before we just get into the word it's an important preparation it's not about the song it's not about who played it sung it it's about preparing our hearts and in, in preparation for the word of God, that, that's why we do it, to prepare ourselves to come into the presence of God. Notice how David took men with him to collect the ark rather than allowing the Levites, which were the descendants of these Kohathites, to carry the ark and bring it to him. What, what a mistake that he made. Since it should have never been put on a cart, old or new, it was supposed to be borne on the shoulders of men. Of priestly men and carried by the Levites only. And those of the family of Levites, the poles were built just for that. Failing to follow God's precise instructions would seem A, not revering God's words when he spoke them through Moses, and B, having an independent attitude that might border on rebellion. Seeing the action on things from a worldly perspective rather than a spiritual perspective. Boy, does that sound like anything we could do today? And then the other thing. There's an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Could it have been this the case that Uzzah, having been around this in his home all these years very likely forgot the holiness that it represented there are times when we too we fail to recognize the holiness of god becoming too familiar with him and with our irreverent attitude the third thing the account tells us the oxen stumbled the cart didn't fall and neither did the ark It's just like when Jesus and the disciples were on that boat and the the fierce wind was rocking the boat. It wasn't necessarily in danger of sinking. It was their faith. They didn't think they were going to make it to the other side. They failed to put their faith in the master. Uzzah, for a moment, failed his responsibility and thought that he could save the integrity of God. In that our Almighty God somehow needed Uzzah's assistance, he presumed that without his interventions, God's presence would have fell on the ground. Hmm. Job says, "You can, you can't, you can, can you fathom the mysteries of God? His greatness, no one can fathom." His understanding, no one can fathom. Moses lost his right to enter the promised land because he felt his his intervention was needed and he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Do you remember that story? And he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land because he went and he struck the rock. He didn't do it the way God had told him to do. We need to listen carefully to what God has to say to us and be in obedience and strive to all of his commandments. Yes, he is a loving, merciful, but we have to remember he's also holy. He's a holy God. Hebrews 10.31 says, I don't have it on the screen, it says, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hmm. In truth... The more we try to bring God down to our worldly way of thinking or reasoning, the further away he seems to get. Those who would draw near to God and and have him draw near to them are those who approach him in reverence and holy fear. Uzzah forgot that. So let's get back to the story. What is David doing during these three months? I mean, he was doing something. And it tells us, if we go back to 1 Chronicles 15, he says, after David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then he says, verse 2, No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. Wow. Wow. David's been studying. I think he's figured out. That's right. We have the writings of Moses. We have the Torah. It wasn't called the Bible back then. It was the Torah. It tells us how to move the ark. And I'm sure that David was now inquiring of the Lord. Okay, God, is this what you want us to do? Is this how you want us to do it? Verse 13, it says, It was because of you, the Levites, Did not bring it up first time, the first time that the Lord our God broke out anger against us. It almost sounds like he was blaming it on the Levites there, huh? If you just read it the way it's wrote. But I don't believe that he was. Read the next line. We. We. I mean, he took it before leaders of thousands. Remember it? Leaders of hundreds. He took it before the house of Israel and says, if this seems like a good... Don't you think one of these people would have said, have you talked to God about it? If I'm making a big move here, trying to turn this church left or to the right, y'all better say, have you talked to God about it, pastor? I know Rod will. He'll come to me and say, have you talked to God about it? We We need those around us to remind us that God is a holy God, and we need to bring everything before him. He said, we did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves as they were supposed to, themselves, in order to bring up the ark of God, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders, as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord Wow he's figured it out but then it's interesting David takes it kind of to a whole new level now let's go back to Samuel chapter 2 verse 6 verse 12 it says now King David was told the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went up. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. It almost sounds like just reading that all by itself, that he was like, well, we better get that blessing into our our camp and get it out of Obed's house. Because God was blessing all that Obed had. All that his kids had. God is a, is a gracious God, and He's one that will bless. Let's look at verse thirteen. That wasn't the case at all, David. It's time now. Then, when those who were carrying the ark of God were taken, had taken six steps. Do you remember me telling you how many miles it was from Abinadab's house to Jerusalem? Nine, Nine miles. One, two, three, four, taking big ones, five, six. They would stop, build an offer, uh, an altar, and they would sacrifice bulls and lambs to the Lord. And they would celebrate to the Lord. When you get done with that, they would pick it all up, and they would go six more steps, and they would do it again. And six more steps, and they would do it again. It had to take them days. To get there. I, I believe that David had gone to the extreme, but he wasn't going to take any chances, man. We're going to do it exactly and precisely. I don't know where the six steps thing came from, but that's what David come up with. And that's what they did. It says in verse uh, 2 Samuel six seventeen, he said, They brought the ark of God, the, the ark of the Lord, and set it in the place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. And look what he does. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins, to each person in the crowd of the Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes Wow there is a part of the end of this chapter where David's wife gets kind of howling at David for him dancing in the street and his ephod or whatever it was and I'm not even gonna go there that's a totally different story so pastor what's the point well, this is the point. The point we must always inquire of the Lord before anything we do. When we have a decision to make, a desire of what we believe would be a good thing, a God thing, if it's a good thing, it's got to be a God thing, that we must ask and inquire of God. Then we ask for confirmation, a sign do you realize that God will give you confirmation he will give you a sign ask for it ask for it. trust God say God give me a sign allow this to happen allow this person to speak to me allow this door to open allow show me a sign make a movement for me God so I know it's always appropriate to ask for confirmation then look to the word for confirmation See what the Bible has to say about your vision, about your plan, about your desires. All, oh, but you're not done yet. Now you take it to the elders. People of faith that you trust. I didn't say your best friend who thinks like you and acts like you, because that'll lead you astray. Take it to a man or a woman of faith Someone that you trust, someone you know is, is hooked up with God and will help you to make a right decision, and they will pray with you. Someone who fears God and is not afraid to say no. That's not God. We need to do that in our lives. It's important. And that's why I'm coming to a place in this message that I don't want it to be a shock to you or... But it's important that we do it appropriately that we do it right but we have another couple in our church that's stepping out into ministry anybody gonna give me a praise God praise God we sent Wayne and Aaron to Mexico they're there now and they're gonna be with us in October so it's gonna be fun But T.Y. and Pat came to us and said that they have been praying and seeking God because there's been this desire on their heart. They followed all these steps. They prayed. They said, God, if this is you, this is what's got to happen so we know it's you. And it happened. T.Y. and Pat are going to step back into the home ministry. And it's exciting because they're stepping in with his son. T.Y. is going to be like an elder. Because, you know, you do home ministry, there needs to be some oversight. Can I get an amen? You can get, believe me, you can get sidetracked pretty quickly without someone going, no, that's not what the Bible said. This is what God wants for us and this is what T.Y. and Pat have been praying about for quite some time because their son was raised in this type of ministry if you don't know it T.Y. and Pat were leaders of a home ministry for how many years T.Y. 10 11. ten eleven years which was the years that you were raising your kids so they grew up in this type of ministry well what is this ministry about well it's about reaching people that will never walk through those doors maybe it's people that have been hurt by churches maybe it's people that just had parents who said church is bad who knows why there are so many reasons why that people will not step into this building that they have a desire a heart's desire to go out to them and if it means they'll come to a house Pat was just sharing a testimony with with one person that's involved, and her husband went to a barbecue with this group, and, and all of a sudden he's becoming friends with, and and God is working, and and so when T Y said to me, he said, well, you know, he told the elders, he said, this is what we want to do, and and uh, and we want to leave, and I said, no, you're not leaving. You're not leaving. And I'll look at you again in front of these people. You're not leaving. We're sending. Big difference there's a big difference from leaving and sending it's very biblical that they leave with the anointing of the church that they're part of and I'm telling you the doors are open to you guys this is your home we've already had this discussion in the elders meeting they have a place if the home isn't big enough at a particular time and they have a funeral or a wedding or something They have a place It's theirs. Why? Because they're part of this family. People think, wow, they're going off to to start another church. They're going off to... No, man, we're all in the same boat. Amen? Amen? It's called a fellowship. And we're all in the same ship. We're all going the same direction, teaching the love and the blood of Jesus Christ. And if that's the intent, if that's what they're doing, then we need to support that. Now, I know Wayne and Aaron, we, we support them financially. I do personally, as well as the church does. And we're not, they're not, we're not talking about that. But if they needed that kind of support, I guarantee you, you best come and ask. Because I believe in you that much. Would you two please come up so we can anoint you? man I can't believe I got through that much and still got five minutes man I want you to stand here and face me to stand next to each other elders could you please come I want to make sure that I have the support of my elders you say well are we losing our Sunday school teacher yep God will provide are we losing what was called my head elder yep but God will provide and he's going to provide because they're doing it right and we're doing it right and blessing them and sending them out into our community to reach more for Jesus Christ is there anything more honorable or better than that Joe would you please come to put your hand on Pat's back I know when I first uh, was being voted into the, the ministry here, there was some big question as uh, anointing oil. And let me make it clear. Put this lid on so I don't slosh it on you. This is not magical. It's like them guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant out there, thinking, God, was going to wipe them all dead. This represents the presence of the Holy Spirit it's a representation it's not anything mystical it's not anything magical it's not anything that it's going to do anything it's not going to make your hair grow and it's not going to make you any less gray not any of that but it's saying we believe in the presence of the holy spirit and that's why i want to anoint you with oil and it breaks my heart because i love you guys so much but i love the fact that we're doing this right Heavenly Father, I speak an anointing, of blessing upon these two. I know I hear testimony on a daily basis of the men and women that have been under T.Y.'s care as a principal and the respect that he's held in this community, that people that look up to him would be willing to listen to him before they would ever be willing to listen to me. And Father, I pray that it's so exciting that they're getting to go into ministry with their own son and to help him and to guide him and to teach him and to make sure that they stay on the, in the right track and to lead them and, and guide them even back here when, they, when we need their support. They'll be here and when they need our support, Father, we'll be there. And Father, I, pl- I pray this blessing over them, that this whole church body will support The decision that they're making I tell you God this decision didn't come easy but you've come through and you've given them the sign that they need father you've given them the confidence in their heart and father I pray that you allow T.Y. and Pat to just minister the gospel in such a loving and profound way that people will come to know you father that's what we ask This church blesses them in this new adventure in their lives. And Father, we thank you for having the opportunity to do it right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.